Show. The science of. Let's see whether or not you can hear the rattling of. No, it just sounds really weird. I've got foot bones in front of me. Yeah, it is. I suppose it is a foot. It's grotesque. Um, I suppose that's our feet all look like that inside. We've got long toes. Was this a hand? What is this? I don't know what it is. Richard Kushlik is the master shoe fitter at Unique Feet. We're talking the science of the posh shoe this evening. Um, and it's the shoe business. But it's not going and buying a pair of Bata Tuffies as an adult and wearing those until um, they wear out. It's about spending proper money on shoes. What have I got in my hand here? Uh, Bruce, you have the uh, anatomy of the foot. And, are uh, toes that long? They are, they are. Oh, Cecile, we must tweet a picture of this foot, please, without any bone skin on it. It's just covered in flesh. It looks yeah. a little different. And you'll, you know, every the, the anatomy of the foot is different uh, in men and women and also from person to person. So our business is trying to accommodate anyone with extra long, extra wide, extra deep feet. Um, and you do it through a specialized, I mean, one, one goes overseas and one buys a pair of shoes overseas and one gets specially measured up and they sort of look at the shape of your foot and suggest that, you know, a clock shoe may be better than a church's shoe or whatever the case might be if you're shopping for shoes in England. Um, and you get a decent shoe service. In South Africa, you have black or brown. Well, this is the, this is the difference. Yeah. That, um, in many, shoe, many shoe retailers have changed the channels of distribution as we used to know them in the old days where um, – you were, you were either a retailer, you were a specialist, you were a wholesaler, whatever. These days, guys have online shopping, which has become a very big part of the business. In fact, I think 17% or 16% of all shoes in the United States are sold online. Uh, we're not, we're once, not, once you know the brand you like and the style you like, you're used to the cut, and the, the, as long as the form of the shoe doesn't change, well, then you can probably safely order. Yes, yeah, that's, that's true to a certain extent. Um, but with the, with the more elite shoe companies, they have many different lasts or forms, as you call them, and therefore you may order online and find that you end up with a pair of shoes that doesn't fit you and then travel back to South Africa and find that you need someone like us to help you out. No, absolutely. When we look at the the human foot, um, I, you know, those of us who, who grew up with Bata Tackies as our running shoes as kids before uh, brands become tra- became trendy, we were told Nike and Reebok were the only way to cushion your foot. Uh, but we've already done an enormous amount of damage to our feet you know, through track events and running cross country in, in tackies. Well, that's probably true. Um, but there are many people who ran comrades in Bata Tackies, as you call them, yeah. and and ran injury-free. I guess there's also the genetic element that some people are you know, susceptible to injury, others aren't. But yes, you're quite right. The big brands of the world spend lots and lots of money on R&D, and that R&D is mainly about around injury prevention. Are you a podiatrist by no, profession? I'm not, an, I'm not a podiatrist by profession. I was just fortunate to be taught about the relationship between feet and shoes by uh, my late father, who was a leading orthopedic surgeon, both academically and in private practice in Johannesburg, and uh, we both had um, – the common factor was that we both were size 14. What? And uh, that made us very interested in shoes because we had to be because it was very difficult to locate shoes of that nature. And I've got a friend with size 14 boats on his feet. Um, where do you – and do you, do you supply so the now, size 14? Yeah, yeah, now we go up to size 17 in our business and we can make up to size 20 if necessary. 
uh, under special orders. But uh, South Africans generally have big feet. I don't know if you know, but the, the Dutch uh, g- That's are, why they're no- clogs. are yes. known to have the biggest feet in the world. And we obviously have their genes uh, in our society. So, mm. yep, South Africans do have big feet. Well, and they often put them in their mouths. Correct. <laughs> That's what they do. Um, shoes are a status symbol in South Africa. Many people will spend money on shoes long before they spend money on any other item of clothing. What is it about shoes that defines us? Look, I think it's a, it, it can be an international sort of trend, but in South Africa more so than ever. And you might even think of it politically that <clears throat> in times gone past, underprivileged people used to be measured uh, not by the houses that they owned or, the, or, the, or that they didn't own, um, but they were measured by their attire and their footwear. So a man, a man or a woman was really um, as found to be a pillar of society if he wore good shoes. And that still happens today. Um, we still find people buying shoes, um, really expensive shoes, that most people wouldn't afford. Um, and they pay them off, their ways of paying them off and so on. So that's something that we still do to this day. I'm speaking to Richard Kushlek, who is the master shoe fitter at Unique Feet. He's got a small business, which you operate out of the Backos Brothers store in Dunkeld West. That is correct. We're on the lower level there. And it's a, it's a good area for us because it's central. And most of our business is done by referral. So, uh, in general, but it's also about brand and brand. Backos Brothers pride themselves on being upmarket brand, and you, you've attached yourself absolutely. to that. Absolutely, that's why they, uh, one of the Backos Brothers, um, was a client of ours who said where our original um, facility was was too far out of the way, and he wouldn't travel to see us, and that he suggested we come and look at one of his properties. Well, that's one way of doing it. Um, predominantly American shoes that you sell? Um, yes and no. Uh, we are also, as I said, the, we are also importers and distributors for the Allen, Ed- Allen Edmonds brand, which is uh, from Port Washington, just outside of Chicago. But we do sell other brands which are from uh, Europe um, and, uh, and Sp- yeah, it- Italy and Spain. Yeah, I mean, I, we are spoiled for choice in South Africa. For, for a long time, we had very few shoe brands operating here. Nowadays, you can go into almost any shop in Sandton City and see everything from Kurt Geiger to Hugo Boss, um, which are the fashion end of shoes. Are they good shoes? They certainly are. Um, you know, the Kurt Geigers and, and, and uh, Moreskis of the world are still uh, handcrafted in, in Italy. And there would be a debate on whether British-made shoes in Northampton or shoes made in the United States are of a better quality. Um, what but defines I, a good shoe? Well, I think what defines it is, number one, is the components that are used. So you've got to have the finest leathers. You've got to have the best linings that, that you can buy. You've got to have components in the sole and the outsole and the midsole that stabilize the foot, that cushion the foot, that, are, that give shock absorption. Um, and that defines the components. Then it's how you put them together. Uh, so you'd take companies uh, like Allen Edmonds or uh, some of the old English companies where they've been doing the process pretty similarly for the last hundred years. But there was shoemaking, and, and you've brought in a shoe, which it's an American shoe. Um, this is an Allen Edmonds shoe from the United States, um, which is cut in half. Um, people like you like to cut shoes, perfectly good shoes in half, um, just to show how wonderfully made they are. And you go through and you see the quality of the linings. But you also look at the structure of the shoe, and there is a very thick sole. It's probably about a centimeter um, of compressed leather. What do you call that? That's uh, what the, In technical terms, it's called the bend of the, the bend leather, although it's a double oak and uh, it's specially treated uh, with oils 
so that it is resistant to moisture and doesn't wear that that quickly. But this is welted leather. This, this is, is a, this is a welted product. Yes, this is what about ten pieces of leather that are, are welted together? What's welting? Welting is where the top of the shoe, the upper, and the outsole are connected via mm. a, a a piece of leather or other material called a welt. And this this procedure is normally about two hundred and twenty steps to produce a shoe. So highly intensive in terms of labour and time. Which explains why they're sublimate expensive. That's correct. Do you get what you pay for in terms of shoes? I think so. Uh, you that if you that old Afrikaans adage that you know good coop is dear coop, and uh, that shoes that are well made, irrespective of who's making them, uh, will last a long time, and they are normally repairable. So you know you've got to have a recrafting opportunity if you're buying expensive shoes. But shoes are, are like everything else, aren't they? Disposable, aren't they? Trends. Uh, not classic men's footwear. They're they're everlasting. They're timeless. I mean, this is this is a brogue, and the brogue is traditional. The brogue goes in and out, but men of, men, men of a certain age don't care, um, and, and will wear them come so you know, winter, rain, summer, or fall um, as it comes through. Um, one expects to pay for a decent pair of shoes. If one goes out and gets a pair of Rockport, some of the most comfortable shoes in the world, from our mates at Khaliks, you'll pay fifteen hundred rand for a pair of shoes. That's true. That's a good. That, that's a high a, quality product. That's a good pair of shoes. What's Absolutely. wrong with them? Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, the construction's different. It's what they call cement construction. So the process is a lot quicker. Um, it's just and they don't last as long. Well, and you can't and you can't resole them. Yeah. Um, so that's the the, the long term view is that if you buy a pair of welted shoes, they're they're with you for life. Um, and as long as you look after them, you can have them fifteen twenty years, and you can just resole them every couple of years. Um, whereas the other shoes, generally um, cement-lasted shoes, once they wear out, they're over. And that, you know, if you wore them every day, that's probably a year or two's use, and then they're done. Do you judge people by their shoes? Uh, I, I certainly do because it's my business. <sighs> Hold on, I'm going to put my feet on the desk. Uh, tell me about uh, what? Tell me about my character from my shoes. Well, if I look carefully, I see that they've been uh, resold a few times. So that tells, tells me that you really like them. They're cheap. I'm a cheapskate, yeah. Uh, no, no, because lots of people repair their shoes. And secondly, what I do like about them is they're quite trendy square toe with an open tab lacing. And that allows that, – that's kind of semi-fashionable and will la- it's also a timeless – it's a timeless, uh, it's a timeless uh, model. Uh, but also, I trash shoes. So these things aren't going to last much longer, unfortunately. But I, I think they've got another retread left in them. I saw the brand name on the bottom. It's a pretty well-known, established brand name. Yeah. And uh, made some of those were made locally, and some of them are still made in the UK. These, I think, are made on the K-Flats. They yeah. could well be. There we go. Yeah. Um, and, and that's also the thing where you've got a brand like this particular brand. Where Do you get the same as it's made locally as if it comes well, from the UK? Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure the guys on the K-Flats will be arguing with me tonight. But the answer is they have got um, the license to make the product locally for the very reason to keep the product in a reasonable price uh, you know, level. But isn't that the problem, is that they start manufacturing well, a, for price well, rather well, than for a, the original quality? As, as I said, there's a compromise on the, yeah. on, the, uh, on the components. There we go. My guest this evening, I'm thoroughly enjoying talking to Richard Kushlick, the master shoe fitter at Unique Feet. If you've been to Unique Feet, if you've bought some shoes there, if you've got a pair of shoes that is 20 or 30 years old, Dad, um, my dad's got a pair of, of Crockett and Jones that must be 35 years old. And I know that because he asked me to put a rubber sole on them, and I nearly destroyed them. But I think he's forgiven me now. We've had we've had people bring shoes in that are nearly th- nearly thirty years old that they've been in a cupboard for a long time. We happen to have a recrafting facility um, where it's based in the Western Cape, and it's owned by a third generation shoemaker. And so the art of shoemaking is still very much alive and well in South Africa. Well, it's yes, but it's very 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 hard to find. 
And in the whole of Johannesburg, we struggle to locate someone who can repair shoes to the kind of standard that is required for these top-level mm. brands. Richard Kushlik is the master shoe fitter at Unique Feet. We learned about Richard Kushlik from Paul Teron, the man behind the business blunders, because he's got odd-shaped feet, has he, Richard? He's got long, thin, narrow feet, which are difficult to fit, but he came and saw us once, and we sorted him out. Ah, there we go. You could even sort up, if you could sort up Paul Teron, you could sort out anybody. Uh, Johnny in uh, Rodeport, you got a question for Richard? Yes, please, Richard. Good evening to you. I've got a uh, problem getting half-size shoes in this country. I don't know why. You know, I've got a very broad foot at the, you know, at the top end of the foot, and it's virtually impossible to find half sizes. This is something that's Thanks, happened. Uh, hi, Johnny. Um, uh, what, th- this has happened because a lot of retailers are deciding that half sizes are not necessary anymore. It helps them c- control their inventory. However, you're quite right that half sizes are not only wider. They are a sixteenth of an inch wider, they're a twenty-fourth of an inch deeper, and they're a, and they're a sixth of an inch longer. So in reality, you're quite right, a half size is a bigger shoe. And to compound it even worse, m- most retailers don't offer widths. Now, this is something that a person like you would have a problem with. No, absolutely. Okay, Johnny, I mean, and how does Johnny get around it? He comes to see you, obviously. He has to see someone who can measure him accurately. So you get accurate footwear measurements. You've got to have the length, the depth, flex point measured, and thereafter make a choice. Okay. Jared in Cape Town, you've got some questions uh, this evening for Richard Kushlik. I do. Hi. Evening. Hello, Jared. Good. I've got a, got a question about, uh, you know, cheaper versus expensive shoes. I've always found that I go through shoes very quickly, um, and I was I almost bought a pair of uh, quite an exclusive brand that cost about one five a couple of weeks ago, and I ended up buying a cheaper pair, also one that ran about half the price, because I came to the conclusion that we probably lost the same length of time. And I wear shoes for about a year. I just thought I'd get some advice, you know, from a professional on that. Thank you, Jared. Well, a couple of questions. Number one is, this is a work shoe. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's a work shoe. Let's assume so, yeah. And uh, therefore, uh, I would ask you, do you spend a lot of time on your feet or are you behind a desk? Uh, a, a quick one, sorry, Jared. So is it a work shoe or are you on your feet or behind a desk? Work shoe and, uh, yeah, walking all day long, mostly. Then I would suggest that you look at the one that has the most cushioning, irrespective of its price. Okay, so it's about comfort. Uh, built for comfort rather than for speed. Okay, on the, along those front, uh, along that front, Jared Gregory and Randberg, you've got a pair of shoes, thirty-two years old. They must smell to high heaven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I've had it for so long, and I wear it uh, quite often. And uh, I have a number of, of shoes, pairs of shoes that are about the same age. You what, what, like what, what, yeah. what are they, Gregory? Are they a pair of grasshoppers? No, no, no. Uh, the, the, the pair I have on now is is a belly uh, with ostrich skin. You sound like a connoisseur. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, I used to. I used to pay a lot for shoes. Well, if they're thirty-two and, uh, years old, uh, you could get them recrafted. No, but that's that's the point. Thank you, Gregory. I mean, ostrich skin. Nelson Mandela liked ostrich skin shoes, didn't he? He, he certainly did. And ostrich skin is uh, still sought after in South Africa. Uh, the problem is, is that we have difficulty getting the ostrich skins back into this country because we we, we process them here yeah. and they then get treated and, and turned into good leather elsewhere. Correct, and they get made elsewhere, and we buy them back at a huge premium. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely nuts. And um, why do we not have a burgeoning shoe industry then? If we've got the raw materials, we've got great quality leather. Um, we got a, we we have some skills. We have skills that are over a hundred years old. We still have the South African Footwear Leather Leather and Footwear uh, Association. However, 
I think that the concentration on mass production has overshadowed the sort of specialist shoe making. Yeah. Um, the guys, uh, the, the, the shoes that are supposed to be good for your feet, uh, the ones, the green, green Cross, there we go, the ones with the Green Cross on the them. Green, green Cross, cross. they made it in the Cape Flats now. Uh, yep, I think. AVI owns them. AVI owns them now. They used to be owned by the Zeppel family yeah. and uh, they have a combination of shoes, if I'm uh, not mistaken, some are imported, some are made locally. Okay. And then, Jason, you're a man after my own heart. What's your question? Jason. Good evening. How are you doing? Very good. You're a man after my own heart. So you've got my favorite, my favorite brand of shoe you're talking about. <laughs> well, I've got a very interesting one. I have, for a number of years, looked at Crocs and thought how awful they look. And probably a lot of people share the same sort of a thought process, but I was in a, in a shopping center recently, and I've seen the change the design and they've added something which was actually looking pretty good. Yeah, they've, they've worked and on their design. Sorry, Jason, he wants to know if they're good for your feet. Look, they, the, the compound that they use is particularly good with cushioning. Yeah. Um, and they have been known to be particularly comfortable. And uh, Crocs have made their name on that. Um, one, one, one would question whether they have uh, the correct stability as a technical shoe. But that I don't think is their focus. I mean, I'll just your know, doctors in operating theatres and chefs in restaurants and things—they're light, they're comfortable. Um, you don't want to have an accident and sort of go into emergency wearing a pair of Crocs. But no, they probably wear stuff a little more secure, a little more stable than that. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Um, so the market for these shoes, for for shoes that you charge six thousand rand for a pair of of handcrafted imported shoes—it's it's quite a hefty price. Um, how big's the market for them? The market is growing, and I think it's unexposed. Um, and we've recently found that uh, bigger retailers um, like like Spitz have shown interest, and they, we have recently started supplying them. Um, where there has been a resurgence um, amongst the consumer for a quality handcrafted shoes. But, and it's also about durability. It's about the fact that you can have a pair of shoes that will last you 10 or 15 or 20, and in the case of Gregory, uh, 32 years. That's quite right. And uh, you can only do that um, provided you have the quality shoe to start off with. Yeah. It's a fascinating world of shoes. The shoe fitter at Unique, Fit, uh, at Unique Feet, his name is Richard Kushnick, grandson of Toby, the actress. That is correct, the lady of Grand Dame of the, the Theatre. She was a superhero, 1960s, 70s. She was a dominant force, wasn't she, on, yeah, the, on the stage? She was dominant until, until she passed away, to be honest. Um, that was in the early 90s. She was a legend, an absolute legend. Grandson of Toby Kushlick, Richard Kushlick, this evening, the, motor, the master shoe fitter at Unique Feet.